Lord, how ironic to ask you to teach us more about what we're doing right now, praying. Yet we have much to learn about this rich expression of our communion with you. So simple, the child can do it. Yet so deep, your son, Jesus Christ, spent entire nights in it. Teach us more today about this beautiful thing you've given us called prayer. So that, to your glory, we might use it more and more for your purposes and toward your end. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'll ask you also to take uh, the one more thing that should have been in your bulletin, and that was this prayer guide that we've been giving you over the last uh, few weeks. Uh, and uh, I want you to keep that in hand. Again, the first page has to do, the, the cover has to do with this uh, practicing of the office. Not going to spend any time there today. But if you would open it up, I would like you to be able to answer this question, why pray? with these very simple phrases that I've been giving to you and repeating to you over these weeks. We pray because we need Him. We pray because we need more than just this reality. We pray because we need help. And we pray because we need protection. And you can do this so simply, just following through the Lord's Prayer that many, if not every one of you, has memorized. Our Father who is in heaven, this collective idea of prayer that it's not so much personal as uh, individual, that is, as it is collective. Oh, it's personal, but it's not individual. It's collective. Our Father, we're to pray together. And to this Father who is loving and caring, this Daddy, this Papa, who understands us like no other. And yet as close as He is, He is sovereign over everything and worthy of our gratitude. We pray because we need Him. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it is about him. We're joining something that he's doing. And he wants to see that perfect reality which he has in heaven grow into our lives daily as he prepares us for the day that he'll take us to that perfect reality. We pray because we need so much more than this. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. Our first legitimate request, we need help. And that need is total and perpetual. It is today, it's every day. And we should begin our days this way, each one with this kind of humble recognition, practicing the office, which is the front covered, starting your day in prayer with that kind of humble recognition, using this prayer and finishing with the great commandment. Freely seeking forgiveness and freely offering forgiveness as a collective and a connected whole. We pray because we need help. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We pray because we need protection. We're in a battle, and we're in a battle with ourselves, our own nature, and we're in a battle with our nemesis, the evil one. We need to pray for protection from ourselves. We need to pray for each other in those critical moments where we must make the right choice, lest he have control over us. Now I'd like to give you one more thing that would be a part of why we pray. Now, it could have fit into we need him, into praise. Uh, Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's there. But I... 
called that gratefulness and I moved this to the end. Uh, to these words that may not be in your translation, probably not if you're carrying any more modern translation today. And I'd like to, as I said last week, preach a message on words that are not there. A biblical passage on words that are, a biblical message on words that are not there. That's an irony. How can that possibly be? The two pastors that are here that are visiting are going, oh boy. Now where are we going? But you know, some of you are familiar with having memorized this, uh, a long time ago. And uh, so let me let me read you this uh, these words from a commentator. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This phrase is found in various forms in many manuscripts. The diversity of what parts are attested to is itself suspicious. And the manuscriptual evidence is overwhelming in favor of omission. Surely it's more important to know what the Bible really contains and really means than to cling on, to cling to something not really in the Bible merely because it gratifies our tastes or even because it has for us some special associations. These are the words that are not actually in the oldest manuscripts. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. But let me quickly add, these words are not theologically incorrect. They're theologically sound. And uh, this phrase is much like others that are found in several different places in Scripture. And no doubt were added because they were such beautiful words. And what better place than to put them right at the end of the Lord's Prayer, as if he hadn't finished it properly or something. (laughs) But these words, words like this, are found in a number of different places. So, for fun... I thought we'd take advantage of where those doxologies are and see what we might learn from them regarding a part of prayer. And this is why I'm doing it, not just for fun. But the reason I'm doing this is because there's a huge area of prayer that we neglect greatly. That, in in fact, the Psalms dedicate tremendous amounts of time and effort to. And we don't. That is unadulterated, unselfish, unpersonally uh, involved praise of him that has nothing to do with me. You see, even gratefulness is somewhat self-serving, isn't it? Because we're expressing gratefulness for what he did for us. What about unabashed, unconditional, God-glorifying praise just because he is right? Honestly, how much time in prayer do we spend doing that? We don't because we come with our burdens and our concerns and and we need all of these things as I've listed. We need him and we, we need help and we need more than this reality and we need protection. And so our prayers tend to be overwhelmed and overcome with us when prayer implicitly is about him. So, the fact remains, we must pray because we need to praise. We pray because we need to praise. Take your time and adore. So, let me go through some of these doxologies that are so similar to this one that actually isn't there. And show us some reasons why we need to praise. You probably think, okay, you're right, I should praise. But let me give you some reasons Because it tends to transform us if we only 
will. So we should praise, we should pray in praise because of his goodness. First Chronicles, first Chronicles 29 verses 11 to 13. And here the context is David who is in his old age. He's right at the end of his reign. He's about to turn everything over uh, to Solomon. He wanted to build the temple. Because here he dwells in this majestic, unbelievable uh, palace. And the Lord is still dwelling in a tent, the tabernacle. At that point was still existent. And, and he said, Lord, that's not right. But the Lord said to him, no, you cannot build that because you were a warrior and a man who shed blood. Nonetheless, Peter wanted this to be the, uh, Peter, David wanted this to be the legacy he wanted to leave. And so his son Solomon, his chosen son, by God as king to build the temple, was provided for by David. All of these things, David collected tons of gold and silver and bronze and precious stones and all of the wood and all of the marble. And David then, in this passage it says, gave literally Tons of his own treasury toward the building of the temple. First Chronicles 29, verse 3. And then it's interesting as you read through the passage, it says, So the people did the same, and they gave willingly. And so they had a storehouse, a treasure chest of almost inconceivable value to us, with literally Tons of gold and silver, precious stone, bronze and wood and marbles. Marble. It must have been an incredible temple once it was complete. Now, there's a very interesting application that's a bit of a sidebar, but I have to share it with you that I think is extremely important. I mentioned David provided these things, first of all, because he was king. Secondly, he provided out of his own treasures, his own wealth, And then the people saw that and they gave willingly. Real important application here. Your leaders, your staff are giving richly. For these months that I've been here, countless hours of work, preparation, time, prayer, seeking the Lord, Long meetings of organization and preparation. Willingly. And they do it. Willingly. Believe me. I mean, I get three, four hours into these meetings. I'm like, okay, can we stop now? No, we're not done yet. See it. Believe it. Trust it. It's true. And all that I'm beginning to talk to you about that's coming is the product of all of these hours and all of this work. And what do I want you to do? I want you to follow suit. I want you to respond as the people responded. Giving willingly your time, your positions of service, talents and treasures. What we're building now, folks, is the legacy that we are going to leave our children. And we as leaders, are appealing to you to respond in kind. They didn't ask me to do this. I just happened to be able to be a spokesman to say, in the face of all that they have poured into this, it would be a shame for people not to see and understand that. And because they have, just like David gave, they would respond and say, yes, 
Let me do the same. Because we're building a legacy that ought to go on for years and years. So, there's actually a chart out in the foyer. You're going to be hearing more about this, but there's a chart out there that's literally listing all of the service opportunities for young people all the way through adults. And they're specific to that. We have places for high schoolers to sign up and middle schoolers to sign up to help out. And for adults and so on. Those job opportunities are there. And there are an awful lot of blanks. Because you don't know. Well, now you know. And now is the opportunity for you to engage so that we can continue to do all that God wants us to do as a body. So, that's an important application. Just so clear to me as I was reading that passage this week. But now we come back to our praise point. We praise because of his goodness. So, in response to all of this response of the people, David rejoiced greatly and he praised the Lord in the presence of the Holy Assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord. God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name because who am I and who are your people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given only what comes from your hand. Wouldn't you like to pray like that? You can. Is he really that good? Really? What do you have that's actually yours? What can you give that's not already his? Right? That's true. When you realize that you are a beneficiary of God's goodness, what do you do? You praise. Because he has been so good to you. And you know what else? You find freedom. Because you realize that it's all his. Anyway... And that means no more worries. All you have to do is be concerned about how you use what is His. Isn't that good? Do you remember the pineapple story? Remember the missionary with the pineapples and the people that were stealing them? And he was all upset because he wanted his pineapples until he finally figured out they weren't his anyway. And so all of a sudden he said, Hey, if they want to steal God's pineapples, that's their problem. And then they were all upset about that, remember? Because they're His. You don't need to worry about stuff because it's his. You only need to worry about how you use that stuff. And that is incredibly freeing. Now, if that's a new concept to you, and I'm going to move quickly over this, but if that's a new concept to you, you don't realize that not just 10% is his, but all of it is his, and what you give to him is just a, a demonstration of your recognition of that. If you don't know that it's all his, wow, I have got an answer for you. Module number one, starting on October 10th. Carrie and Sue McCarthy are going to be teaching a module on financial freedom from Crown Financial Ministry. And they're going to help you understand that truth and the freedom that they've found. And many of us have found. I've had the privilege of growing up around a lot of people who really got this because I was a missionary kid. 
And then going and, and being a missionary, living with more of them. And you would think that those who have less w- would tend to want to guard what they have because they have so little. Actually, the exact opposite is true because they've gotten this. They tend to be more generous. And I found that as a missionary, raising funds to go to the mission field. I was struck by how many little old ladies, limited income, widows, all by themselves, gave. You know why? Because they found this kind of freedom. That what they have isn't theirs. And all they're doing is stewarding what God has given them anyway. And they know the goodness of their providing God, that they've always had enough. When you realize you're the beneficiary of God's goodness, you praise and you find freedom because it's all His anyway. You see, we pray because we need to praise. But that's just the beginning because that's just the goodness. Let me give you another reason. We pray because we praise because of His greatness. Revelation chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. Now here, the context is the Apostle John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, who was entrusted with a vision of the future. He, like uh, no other in the New Testament times, saw what was coming. And this is a picture that he gives in Revelation chapter 5 of, of heaven and the great gathering from the ent- of the entire world, every tribe and language and people and nation. And there's a host of angels that have been watching this entire plan of redemption from the outside. This is the picture. They're looking. Now, I want, to note, want you to note, they're not the recipients of this plan of redemption. Hebrews chapter 2 tells us it's not the angels he's, a subject, he's subjected uh, the world to come about which we are speaking. For surely it's not the angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. Yet, they long to know of it and see it accomplished. They're watching this story unfold. And First Peter tells us about that. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. And it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit from heaven. And so even these prophets in the Old Testament were, were looking, trying to understand and discern all that they were informing us about. And then at the end of that, it says, even the angels long to look into these things. And now, in Revelation 5, when we get a picture of them seeing it, what do they do? John writes, I looked and I heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders and in a loud voice, They praised, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And in fact, this moment is also the fulfillment of Philippians chapter 2 verse 11. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It says, then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Amen. We praise him because of his greatness. Is he really that great? 
What power do you know that can unify the entire world? What person has there ever been that will receive the willing subjugation of every person who ever lived in heaven, on earth, and under the earth? That's the last thing we see in this world. We thrive on the division of powers and the battle of who will be in the seat of authority, don't we? One of the primary functions of our government is that we protect at all costs this balance of powers because we know that no one person can be trusted with all power. That is, except the great one. When you realize he is the author of such greatness, you praise because you find your place. Is his humble subject. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor, and glory and praise. I follow from a distance two women who have truly found their place and live lives of amazing. Subjection to this great God. One of them, you would never expect to do what she does. She is the epitome of grace and elegance. Yet she spent 20 years of her life living in the remote jungles of Irian Jaya, ministering as a nurse and a Bible teacher to the most backward, undeveloped, underdeveloped people living in abject poverty and literal squalor. And her last years there were actually living as they did in their village so that she could develop and teach them methods of personal sanitation and hygiene to keep them from the many diseases that they contacted regularly because of the way that they lived. And as if that weren't enough, she's now completing her missionary career in the war-ravaged and extremely dangerous country of Afghanistan. The other woman that I follow from a distance is living in the same country. She's developing micro-businesses for the oppressed and poverty-stricken, continuing to move deeper and deeper into the remotest areas of this country to, to help orphan children's children, the victims of war and the economically forgotten. Now, why do I mention that? Because both of these women were close acquaintances of the eight who were recently martyred in that country that you heard about a couple of weeks ago. From the one, I read a letter and I heard her grief. The other, I literally saw on a clip from CNN where mourners were gathering at the cemetery. Both of these women have found their place. Now, don't be mistaken. It's not a place they call home. It's a place where they go to share the greatness of the one who has prepared their final and true dwelling place that they call home. And that is so important that any earthly definition of home becomes insignificant to them. 
when you realize he is the author of such greatness, you praise and you find your place. You say what he is deserving of hearing. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And you say it with everything you have, your life, your breath, your behavior. That kind of praise will send you to the ends of the earth, just like he told us to do. And you think we're done. Not a chance. We praise because of His goodness. We praise because of His greatness. We praise because of His grandeur. And this comes from Romans 11, verses 33 through 36. And the context here is of Paul and his amazing discussion of the sovereignty of God. And there is not a greater theological dispute among believers in the good and great God we serve than the seemingly irreconcilable tensions of the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. And there is no greater discussion of this than there is found in Romans chapter 9 through 11. And it's the very author of these words, presumably as God's best instrument to write these things down, that ends that seemingly humanly irreconcilable tension of the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. What does he do at the end of that? He finishes it with a doxology, with praise. Oh, the depths of the riches. Both the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Oh, who has been his counselor? Who's ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. This God is grand. Is he that grand? What wisdom have you found that can perfectly reconcile the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man? Who's figured that out? Only one. What individual has there ever been that could redeem through the self-sacrificing plan of salvation, costing him his, the death and burial and resurrection of his only son, a people for himself out of self, a self-serving mob who continue to question his work, his will, and his ways. Only one. And he's that grand. What proposed divine being has there ever been that has made so much perfect sense to so many diverse individuals in so many countries, languages, places, and cultures that they would, in the same ways, devote their lives and their possessions and their vocations and their families to what would seem to have no earthly benefit to them at all? And I've seen that. Personally, among the Zulu and the Sisutu and the Austrian and the Dutch and the Spanish and the Mexican and the Peruvian and the Trinidadian and even among Americans, this grand God reconciles His holiness and man's sinfulness in such a way as to cause people to devote their lives to Him in honor and praise from every culture, language, tribe, and people.
When you realize the heart behind such grandeur, you praise because you find your purpose. You do what He has designed you to do and to be. It's all about Him. It's yours to live realizing you are His. He is not yours. Here's an implication for this. Concept of belonging. We continue to read and hear that in today's society, people need a place to belong. That this is what people are seeking. And we need to provide that sense of inclusion and belonging. And I agree. And that's one of the implications of this first year's uh, theme and plan. It's better to gather. Offering a sense of belonging to anyone who would want that. But inevitably, a place will disappoint. We need to belong, but we need to belong to a person, not a place. The question isn't, where do I belong? The question is, to whom do I belong? And that is significant. We gather because we gather in the name of the one to whom we belong. Amen? Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who's ever given to God that God should repay him for? From him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. When you realize the heart behind this grandeur, you praise and you find your purpose. You do what he's designed you to do. It's all about him. And you live realizing you're his. He is not yours. We pray because we need to praise. Because of his goodness. Because of his greatness. Because of his grandeur. One last reason that we praise. We praise because of this greeting. One more doxology. Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 to 8, where we read, John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, a greeting, and, and speaking of a greeting that is to come. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Why? Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him and even those who pierced him and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come the Almighty. Now, the context of this is at the end of the Bible. And what is next? This isn't it, folks. Right? This is not it. There is so much more to come. Life is simply the prequel to eternity. Yet what happens here has everything to do with what will be for both you and others. When you realize the imminence of this greeting, you praise and you find your motivation. You do what you do and you live where you are in light of his imminent return. Time is of the essence. Stewardship is about making the most of every opportunity. Because that greeting is imminent and it could happen at any time. Jesus said in Matthew 24 and Luke 12, in speaking of this imminent 
yet unknown hour of his return, who then is the faithful and wise servant who the master has put in charge of his servants in his household to give them food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he'll put him in charge of all of his possessions. You see, this isn't it, folks. There's so much more to come. Life is simply a sequel, I mean a prequel to eternity. Yet everything that happens here has so much to do with what happens to you and to others in the future. When you realize the imminence of this greeting, you praise and you find your motivation. You live where you are in light of this imminent return. And time is of the essence. And stewardship is about making the most of every opportunity so that we get there with no regrets. Why do we pray? We pray because we need Him. We pray because we need more than just this reality. We pray because we need help. We pray because we need protection. And we pray because we need to praise. Take your time and adore. Praise because of His goodness. Because when you realize you're the beneficiary of His goodness, you praise and you find freedom. It's all His anyway. We praise because of His greatness. And when you understand He's the author of such greatness, you praise and you find your place. We praise because of His grandeur. When you realize the heart behind such greatness and grandness, you praise because you find your purpose. It's all about Him. And you are His. He's not yours. And you praise because of this greeting. When you understand the imminence of that, You find your motivation. You live your life in light of His return. Time is of the essence. and Stewardship is about making the most of every single opportunity. Will you be a people who pray and in your prayer, praise? Now, I put it at the end of this series. But really... It should be the first words out of our mouths when we pray. And just practice how much you praise. And see how quickly you run out of the words. And then return to doxologies like this. And let them feed a spirit that would grow in its understanding and its practice of praise. So, now we know why we pray. And now we know a little more of how we are to pray. All that's left to do is what? Do it. And do it more. That God might hear from the lips of His people what he deserves to hear. Now, just before I close in prayer, I want to mention one other thing. Some of you are wondering what in the world these things are that are on the stage to my right, and why in the world I never got to them, and is this message ever going to end? If you have plans for next Sunday, already set, God bless you, it's Labor Day weekend, have a great time. If you don't have any plans for next weekend, don't let us yield to temptation.
Lord. I encourage you to be here. Don't take a Sunday off. A hand, an apron, and a backpack full of rocks. That's what next Sunday is about. It's biblical. Extremely biblical. Not even things that aren't there in the passage like I did today. Okay? You'll have an oratory treat if you come. So, unabashed commercial, be here. Because if you do, I promise you will not soon forget this. Now, that's not boasting. I just have shared this before, and for years afterwards, I've had people come up to me and mention it because it helped them. So there's your reward for not going on vacation next weekend. For those of you who got plans, sorry. Guess there'll be a recording. But come and hear about a hand and apron and a backpack full of rocks. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, forgive us because we're often so slow to pray and we're even slower to praise. Thank you for the beauty of your scripture and these marvelous doxologies that you inspired these men to write to teach us what it is to lift our hearts and our souls in praise to you. Thank you for the beauty and the privilege of this communion you call prayer. May we be people who are quick to use it to deepen it, to explore it and expand it, that again you might receive what you deserve, the praises of your people. In Jesus' name, amen.